You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Good morning, everyone. Can you hear me okay? Bit low. I'm feeling a bit low right this morning. How about that? Okay. Well, I was thinking about it during the week. I was born to be saved. Amen. And I don't say that because I, I deserve it, or in some way earned it, but I remember as a young person, I remember I, I became a Christian in my 20s, early 20s, and before that I always felt like an outsider. I always felt there was something not quite right. I always felt I didn't belong here. And then I heard the gospel, and I went, oh, wow, no, it makes sense. No, it all makes sense. No, I can fit in. Did anyone ever feel like that? Anyone ever feel like alone, or anyone ever feel like you're just an outsider looking in? Am I the only one? I see a few hands. Yeah. So it's a common human, um, I suppose, it's it's a a negative thing, really, but... To move on, at that time, just when I was hearing the gospel and I was discovering and falling in love with Jesus, I I remember reading um, this poem by Robert Frost. It's a famous poem. It's called The Road Not Taken. And at the end of the poem, it says, Two roads diverged in the wood, and I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. You see, I was presented with a choice by Jesus Christ. He said, the road is narrow and fewer on it that leads to life. And he said, broad is the road and many are on it that leads to destruction. I knew back then in my early 20s that I had to make a choice for Jesus Christ. I had to make the right choice and that has made all the difference. I did make the right choice, thank God. And this morning, I wanted to look at the concept of being a foreigner and an exile in this world and to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. So this verse is a short verse in 1 Peter. He says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. So I just want to look at those two concepts within that verse that were foreigners and that were to abstain from sinful desires. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will never pass away. I pray, Holy Spirit, you will come now in the name of Jesus. And I pray for transformation in our hearts and in our minds that we may become more obedient to you for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I remember, I think about that word abstain, and it says to choose not to do it. I remember in school, when I was in primary school, you know, when you're young, you have these memories, and they're kind, of, they're kind of silly memories, but they stand out for you. You just never forget them. I'll never forget my headmaster. Um, he, he, used, he used to have lunch with, with, with the local parish priest, a lovely man. Father Cotter was his name, and he was, like, gentile and, and, and kind of small, and he can be pecking away at his food. And, 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 and of course, my, my headmaster was, was quite a large man, and he was, you know, he, he, was, he was really proud of the fact that he was a pioneer. So the first thing you'd see was, 
was the Pioneer badge. You know, when you met him, like he'd, he'd, kind of, he'd almost show it to you. Like, I, so a Pioneer, if anyone's not sure, is someone who, who decides not to drink for the rest of their life. Now, just to qualify it, the Bible doesn't say we're not to drink for the rest of our lives, but this guy, he wasn't a believer. He was very proud of the fact that he was, he was a pioneer. But then I was sitting there, and I was only like seven or eight. I was sitting inside in the class watching them eating their lunch. This guy was unbelievable. Did you ever see a pelican eat a fish? No. He would just get the sandwich, and you see the whoom. There, no, there was no chewing or nothing. It was like straight down the hatch. I was just amazed. I, was literally, I, I can still remember it going in admiration. And of course, at that, when you're that small, at seven, a sandwich is a big sandwich, like a man's sandwich, is huge. So there he was, and boom. And he was, but can you see the irony of it? Like he was abstaining from drink, yet he was just shoveling food down his throat. So it, it was just one that I'll never forget. And uh, I was very fond of him, by the way. He was a great headmaster just in case you think I've given him a hard time. So the first part of the, I'll just go back, of the scripture is, I urge you as foreigners and exiles. If we look at the Bible, the whole of the Bible, if you, if you want to sum it up, you sum up the Bible, it's God's story of how he has redeemed man through Jesus Christ. That's how you summarize the Bible. It's, God, it's all about God and we play a part in it. And within that, there's subplots and sub-stories, and it's, it's fascinating. Dig into the war, brothers and sisters, I encourage you. The more you dig into it, the more you get from it. So there's a theme throughout the scripture of how the people of God were foreigners and exiles. And we see it just as a few examples. We see it in Psalm 39. For I am your guest, a traveler passing through, as my ancestors were before me. So David, King David would have written this, and he was talking about Definitely talking about Abraham, who of course identified himself as a foreigner and as, as an exile. And he is the father of our faith. And remember the story where God said to him, look at the stars. Look at the stars. Your, your ancestors will be like the stars. And it came to pass. All of, not only the Jewish people heard the gospel, but all of the Gentile people, those who are outside of Israel, which means us, heard the gospel. There are millions of Christians around the world. Hallelujah. God's word always comes to pass. He said to Abram, I will, I will give you the inheritance of the nations. You are, he, he called Abram a man of faith. And Abram was called to a faith journey, just like me and you. When we hear about Jesus, we're called to a faith journey. Let's, let's read what it says. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed God when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. So he called him out of modern-day Iraq. He said, Abraham, I'm bringing you into the land of promise, the land of Canaan, modern-day Israel. He went without knowing where he was going. Sometimes we walk by faith. We're not exactly sure where we're going, but our eyes are on Jesus, aren't they? Amen. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents. He was like a foreigner living in tents. We, could, we, we, we move it on a bit in the story. Abraham brought his nephew with him. His nephew was called Lot. They had prospered. They, had, they came into the land. They had many flocks. The, the Bible says they were wealthy. Everything was going well. And then they got too big. Too big for the land they were on. They had to split up. Abraham gave Lot the choice which way you're going to go. And remember now as you read this scripture, remember the, the scripture 1 Peter. It says, abstain from the sinful lust which war against your soul. Abraham 
took the higher ground symbolically. He decided to stay close to God. He took the land of Canaan and he gave Lot the choice. Lot took a long look at the fertile plains of the Jordan Valley in the direction of Zor. The whole area was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord or the beautiful land of Egypt. This is before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them. He went there with his flocks and servants and parted company with his uncle Abraham. So Abraham settled in the land of Canaan. And Lot moved his tents to a place near Sodom and settled among the cities of the plain. But the people of this area were extremely wicked and constantly sinned against the Lord. What mistake did Lot make? The mistake that Lot made was he chose according to what he could see. Is that something that can happen to us today? Absolutely. Lot, remember Lot, didn't do, wasn't lacking he had plenty of money, he had herds and flocks and servants, and yet he gave way to that sinful desire within him, which wars against his soul. And he gave way to it. Abraham, the man of faith, didn't. They were both believers, both believers. Abraham stayed in the land of Canaan, the land of promise. He stayed close to God. He stayed close to God's word. Lot, Lot in, his, in his greed... And in his pride, thought he could go down and settle down in the cities of the plain and it wouldn't affect him. You know, I just, just started to, to share it this morning. You know, if you're here and you're, and you're, you're in a crossroads of your life and you're thinking, I can be a Christian on my own. And you're going to move away from, from, from the man of faith, as it were, Abraham, or the people of God, symbolically, the church. You cannot survive as a Christian on your own. I urge you, if this, if this is a real and living word for you, where you're disillusioned or for whatever reason you're making a decision and that decision will move you away from God's people, the church, and ultimately from God, that is the wrong decision. Not everything that looks good is from God, is it? No, we're to make decisions based on faith, not just on what we see with our eyes. So as a way of, of illustration... Can you imagine if you arrived in, in London, this, this is um, Terminal 5 in Heathrow. Can you imagine you've arrived in with your bags and you know that you're landing in the Heathrow and you're passing through. And, and I'm sure everyone, most people here have been to an airport, yeah? Yes. I know the first time it's great, like it's a novelty. But after second or third time you're going, I just can't wait to get out of here. I'm passing through. But can you imagine if... Say, for example, we call this fellow Bernard. Bernard decides he wants to settle in Terminal 5. So he buys two seats off the airport authorities. And he gets a job in WH Smith, selling newspapers. And then he meets the girl upstairs that works in Burger King, and they decide to get married. And you're looking at Bernard going, are you mad? And what about the kids, Bernard? Oh, we can airport school them. How about that? <laughs> you see... That's exactly a picture of how we can live our lives. We can settle for less. God has a great plan for us, not just in this world, but in the next world. Isn't it true? We need to have a concept and, and, and rooted in our souls the fact that we are only passing through. We're not to settle in this land. There's nothing wrong with working hard. There's nothing wrong with, 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 with buying a house. or There's nothing wrong with doing all these things. 
But in our hearts and in our minds, we are, as Jesus said, to be storing treasure in heaven. And storing treasure in heaven is not just donating money. Storing treasure in heaven, rewards in heaven, has got to do with how you live your life here as a Christian. You will be, you, will be, you know, thank God we're saved. Hallelujah. Jesus paid the price for our sins on the cross. He rose again victorious. But he calls us, he calls us to put our hand to the plow, to follow him, and to serve him in this world. And our reward will be in the next world. The people of faith admit, if you look through the Bible, the, the theme all the way through is all these people. So this is the, the chapter 11, the heroes of faith it's called. And it's about the people of faith in the Old Testament. They, they were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. Do you ever think of heaven on a regular basis? Do you, ever, do you, ever, do you have a concept of what it is to leave this world? Because you are going to leave this world and be in heaven. Do you ever say to yourself, as a Christian, I am a foreigner and stranger on earth? Well, I must confess, I don't do it half enough. But as I read this, I was convicted. As I went through the scriptures, I was convicted by the Holy Spirit. Barry, don't get comfortable in this world. This world is not your home. Don't pour all your energy and your time into this world. Because it's the next world that really counts. Because the next world is for eternity, isn't it? Forever and ever and ever and ever. Does it stop? No, ever and ever and ever. C.S. Lewis says, if you live for the next world, you get this one in the deal. But if you live only for this world, you lose them both. I think that's true. Do you guys? So back to the original scripture. We've looked at the fact that we're to regard ourselves, to admit that we are foreigners and exiles in this world. And then he says, we are to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Abstain is to choose not to do it. Because we have the Holy Spirit in us, we now have the choice not to sin. We now have the power of God to make the right choices. And it says it wages war against your soul. So whether you like it or not, and this is, this is a real eye-opener for me as well, brothers and sisters, because as I was preparing this message, it was God was speaking to me so clearly. He says, you're in a war, and when you're in a war, one side wins, doesn't it? When you go over the top, you don't get time to think about whether I'm going to live or die, or whether I should be in this war or I shouldn't be in this war. You're in a war, and you need to fight the war. And I believe that's what God is saying to us this morning. We need to take up arms and fight that war. Because as Christians, we're saved, hallelujah, we're loved by God, but we're in a war, and that war is against our very own flesh. The Bible says it's called the sinful nature, the lower nature, the carnal nature, the flesh. There's different words for it. But each one of us, and that's the beauty of the Bible, I now know what every one of you are like. Because I've read in the scriptures. And you know what I'm like? Because it's up here. The obvious acts of the sinful nature. These are all, not all of them actually, these are just some of them listed by Paul. 
as the obvious acts of the sinful nature. Now God says we have to go to war against those. So maybe you've got one or two of them that you, trouble, that you battle with. I know the ones I'm battling with. I'm not going to tell you them. <laughs> but you're going to ask my family. They're the best because they'll tell you straight away. The ones that, 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 that Daddy or, or, or Joanne says that Barry is fighting against. But I'm in the fight and I want to fight. And hallelujah, God says we can overcome. We can put the sinful nature under our feet. If we're willing, if we're willing to fight. And as I was preparing, I really sensed strongly from the Holy Spirit to highlight um, jealousy. Because you can't go through them all, but jealousy. I remember in school, I hated Shakespeare. Because we had to learn off all these uh, quotes from Othello, etc., etc. But you know, looking back, he was a genius. An absolute genius. And I remember there was one script, or one uh, quote and I never had any trouble remembering because it was such a fantastic visual um, illustration of jealousy. It is the green-eyed monster which does mock the meat it feeds on. God help us not to be jealous. I knew it straight away, off by heart. It never left me. Fantastic quote. And how true that if you let jealousy get the better of you, it feeds on you like a monster feeding on you. Isn't that an awful picture? And see, part of the problem with jealousy, it's, it's, it's a deep insecurity. It's actually a, a discontentment as well. And it's actually saying to God, Lord, you've, you've made a mistake here. You've done something wrong. Um, I'm not getting what I want. Or why have you made me the way I am? Remember in, in Jeremiah, if you've read it, the, the, you know, the, the, pot, the clay can't say to the potter, what are you doing? We can't say to God, what are you doing? God knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly. He knows every hair in your head. He knows exactly the times that you're to live in this world and where you are to live. Isn't that amazing? What an awesome God. And to overcome jealousy, we first have to, first of all, we need to get our, secure, our, our identity and our security from Jesus Christ. Not from things or the praises of people. So how do we overcome jealousy and how do we overcome the other sins um, of the sinful nature well there's a couple there's probably three at least well the first confession tell God he knows anyway confess it to him there's prayer there's the word of God we use the word of God we come against it quoting the Bible but finally and the most important thing hear me brothers and sisters it's the power of the Holy Spirit he is God. Let's not forget the Holy Spirit is God. He's the third person of the Trinity. He started the church. He raised Jesus from the dead. He gives you new life. How often have we grieved him? How often have we quenched him? How often have we ignored him? Come, Holy Spirit. Call on the Spirit of God. He's not just a force or some kind of a power. He is the living God. Hallelujah. And he is for you. He is not against you. When you put your hand to the sword, the Spirit of God will put his hand on that sword to fight the good fight. Why? Why does God tell us to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul? Because you're now foreigners and exiles on this world. I love what John Piper says. He said, the world does not need cool Christians who are culturally saturated. It needs exiles with the scent of heaven and the aroma of Christ. Can you imagine walking around, dealing with people in your community, at work, at home. And they go, 
there's something different about that man or that woman. And they ask you, what's so different about you? Now, it's probably happened to people, some people here. It's never happened to me. <laughs> oh, I wish it did. But lads, that's why God says, you are, you are different. He says, you are my son. Your home is in heaven. Your, your passport will bring you to heaven. Do you understand, God is saying, that you are not no longer part of this world? Yes, we're in the world, but we're no longer of it. We're no longer of it. And therefore, God expects us to behave and act and live differently. He expects our conduct to be different. He expects us to live holy lives. Did you know that? That's what God expects of us. But he doesn't leave us on our own. He gives us the Holy Spirit. And he wants us to do this. First of all, if we love him, Lord, what does the Bible say? Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. Don't be telling God, I can't say it either. Lord, I love you if I'm not willing to obey. We have to obey the living God. It doesn't mean we're going to live a sinless life or anything like that, but as long as we're in the battle, as long as we're fighting the good fight of faith, that's what pleases God. Secondly, God wants us to be a life and a witness to others. Most people here, I'd say, heard the gospel from someone. Is that right? Very few have, like, I've heard of stories of people hear the gospel in a dream or God has pierced in a dream. Most of us have heard the gospel from someone else. Yes. Do you want to tell others about Jesus? It's not easy, is it, at times? It can be daunting. It can be scary, etc. But how about, number one, starting with a life surrendered and dedicated to Jesus Christ? And people will know by your behavior. They'll know by your attitude at work, your honesty. They'll know by your kindness. That might pique their curiosity. That in itself is a witness. Before you open your mouth, that's a witness to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Isn't it worth attempting that for God's glory, isn't it? Amen. Jesus himself said, I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world. Just as I do not belong to the world, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. Jesus didn't take us out of the world. Each one of us will go into our communities tomorrow morning. We'll be going to work. We'll be meeting friends. We'll be meeting work colleagues. We're to be in the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Can you walk around and say, I don't belong to this world. My home is in heaven. That's what God says. I hear, I see one face nodding. Is that Brian? Brian realizes that he is, doesn't belong to this world. And you're blessed, Brian. Do you know why? Because the looser the hold we have in this world, the happier we will be. Did you know that? That's where the peace comes from. That's where the joy comes from. Because you're not striving like the people who don't know God. You're not, you're not like Lot. The first thing you see, you want it. There's freedom. God doesn't give us any of his word to hurt us. He wants us to be free. Hallelujah. I love the story of Augustine. And to keep it brief, he was a hedonist beyond all hedonists. He was living it up, as they say, okay? And his mother was praying from behind the scenes. Is there any mothers here praying for their sons? Keep on praying for your children. Keep on praying for your children because one day, Augustine was in the garden of his friend, 
and he, um, he heard a child's voice saying, Tole lege, which is Latin for take up and read. Take up and read. And this is what happened. He took it up and he opened the Bible. It was a Bible. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on Christ. Hallelujah. When you get dressed in the morning, put on Jesus Christ, the power of God. Put on Jesus and do not think about how to gratify desires of the flesh. Did you know that he was instantly converted? It's rare. It doesn't happen to all of us. He was instantly converted. He went down to become one of the greatest theologians in the history of Christianity. See, God can save anyone, can't he? Hallelujah. And God is still saving us, isn't he? He's saving us from those sins which have entangled us, easily entangled us. Easily entangles us. So easy it might entangle us. And you know, as I'm speaking and you're tuning into the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will be telling you exactly that sin that you need to put to death, that you need to repent of, that you need to, to fight against, because he wants to set you free. God wants you to move on. He doesn't want you to stay where you are. He wants to lead you into green pastures. Hallelujah. But this is how it's done. It's not going to happen by someone laying their hands on you and praying for you. That's part of it. But you have to make the choice this morning. You have to take up the word of God. You have to pray. You have to ask the Holy Spirit to give you the power. And he will. But you have to choose. It has to come from you. And again, the second part, or the first part I spoke about, which I would like to finish on, is heaven. Hallelujah. Heaven is our destiny. In the Old Testament, Isaiah, it says, Look, I'm creating new heavens and a new earth. And no one will even think about the old ones anymore. There'll be no record of the old ones. Everything will be forgotten. All that'll be remembered is who belong to Jesus Christ. That's the truth. That's what the Bible says. It says, Then I saw new heavens and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. And when you think about it, Jesus was resurrected from the dead. Flesh and bones. Remember, he, he ate with his disciples. He walked through all. He had a supernatural body, yet they could touch him. It was flesh and bones. It was a resurrected body. It was a real body. Anyone like Superman? Yes. Jesus went into heaven. He says he'll come again. This is all real. This is not like kind of, you know, sometimes when, I, you know, we have this concept of heaven being like, we're all going to be like fat cherubs um, playing a harp or something, sitting on the cloud. No, heaven is a real place. There'll be a new heavens and a new earth. Look how beautiful this earth is. And the Bible says it's, it's, it's actually broken. It's tainted by sin. And it's actually groaning, groaning and yearning for the return of Jesus. And yet it's beautiful, isn't it? The sunsets, the mountains, the rivers, the seas. And God is saying... I'm going to have, you're going to have a new heavens and a new earth. And do you think he's going to resurrect your body? Because the Bible says he's going to resurrect your bodies. You're going, to be, you're going to have a brain. You're going to have hands. You're going to have feet. You're going to have a body. Do you think that's just going to be for standing around, sitting on a cloud? No. 
The mind, the Bible says, we haven't even conceived of what God has planned for us. But we've got to start thinking about it because it's way better than Terminal 5 in Heathrow Airport. So you can choose this morning, are you going to stay in Terminal 5 or are you going to have a heart and a mind for God? And I encourage you, look into Revelation, the last two chapters of Revelation. Look into what God has, has written for us. He hasn't told all that will happen or all, all that it will be, but it's going to be spectacularly good. And you're going to have a purpose and function for eternity. You're not going to be floating around the place like, no, that's not what the Bible teaches. So be excited about heaven. Amen. And ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you and to show you what's ahead. Can you imagine then what you think of this world? Paul said it was dung. To use the word politely, dung. He said to live is Christ, to die is gain. He said, I prefer to be with the Lord, but for your benefit, he said, I'll be here to minister to you. Paul knew exactly where he was going. Now, he had the advantage because he got a revelation. He met with Jesus. And he was carried up into the third heavens. He had amazing experiences with God. But he knew exactly where his home was. So as we come to a close, uh, perhaps the worship team could come up, please. I want to pray three simple prayers based on what we heard today, this morning. And remember, whatever about me, it's the Word of God. What we heard was the Word of God. And God's Word says that the people of God admitted that they were foreigners. The Word of God says that we are to take up the fight and war against the sinful nature. You think of that, that sin, because I know for a fact the ones that, that I'm wrestling with, I hate them. And I hate when they get the better of me. But can you, can you imagine conquering it and overpowering it? Isn't that wonderful? That's better than all the, all the money and all the banks and all the world. I tell you that, it is. It is, and it's possible to overcome the Bible. God wouldn't ask us to do something that can't be done. Isn't it true? Absolutely, it's true. And finally, maybe you're like me, back in the day, and you're at a crossroad, and you're not a Christian, and you've heard the gospel, and, you've, and, and, and you see two choices. You've got the road, the narrow road, and there's few on it. There'll always be less Christians in the world than non-Christians. Because that's what Jesus says. He says, narrow is the road and few are on it that leads to life. Broad is the road. There's plenty of people on the road that leads to destruction. Which one are you going to choose this morning? Jesus says, if you believe in me, you have eternal life. If you put your trust in me, you have eternal life. He has the ticket to get you out of Terminal 5 into heaven. He's the only one. There's no other leader, religious leader in the world, that can save your soul. Hallelujah. And he's a good savior. And he's blessed. I, can, I know there's testimony upon testimony and story upon story of how people of God have been blessed despite sufferings, despite hardships. Despite the ups and the downs, Jesus Christ has blessed me. But most importantly, I know now that my home is in heaven. I know when I take my last breath where I'm going to go. Do you know this morning where you will go when you take your last breath? Ask yourself, do you know if you live tomorrow? 
No one knows the day or the hour, do they? It's arrogant and proud to say, I'm going to live for 80 years or 90 years. You don't know. We do not know. Today is the day of salvation. So we're going to listen to a worship, um, a worship song. Could we please stand? And then we're going to just pray through each of those three points. Thank you, God, for your word. Yes, oh God, we are children of the living God. Praise your name, Jesus. Brothers and sisters, if you want to admit to God that you are an exile and a foreigner, as the scripture says, and you want to live that life, lift up your hands again to God. Perhaps you have to surrender again to Jesus Christ. Perhaps you have to lay down your life for Jesus again. Perhaps you know that like Lot, you've been drifting away, you've been drawn by the lusts of the flesh, drawn by the appeal of this world. Let us turn back again to Christ and let us say to God, as I'm talking, pray to God and say to Jesus, I am a foreigner and I am an exile in this world. Hallelujah. Help us, Jesus. Give us your spirit, Lord, to live as exiles and foreigners in this world. And brothers and sisters, if you're like me, and you want to fight the war against the sinful nature. Hallelujah. We're in good company this morning because the Spirit of God is with us. Jesus is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. He said, I've gone into heaven, but I will not leave you alone. I will send the comforter. He's called the advocate. 
the comforter, the one who comes alongside. So let's go to war again. Let's go to war against that sin. Confess it to Jesus Christ. Renounce it. Ask him to help you to overcome it. He wants to. He will. But you have to want to do it. Do it because you love him. Do it because you want to obey him. Hallelujah. Do it as the scripture said, that we might be witnesses to the world around us, salt and light, that people would look at him and go, he's different. And they look at her and look at the peace that she has. Tell me about that peace that you have. And you can tell about Jesus. Hallelujah. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Amen. And finally, maybe you're not a Christian here this morning. And maybe like me, back when I was in my early 20s, you want to make that choice now. You want to walk the narrow road that leads to life. Jesus Christ is the hero of mankind. He is the redeemer of the human race. Do you want to put your trust in Jesus this morning? So lift up your hand to God and call out to the living God. Hallelujah. Because it's been you and Jesus. There is no mediator. I am not your mediator this morning. Jesus is your mediator. He's the one who gave his blood for you. And he says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hallelujah. Please come. If that's you, and I can see your hands, if they come and talk to myself, talk to Michael, talk to someone that you know, maybe someone that brought you along. And we'd love to pray with you. We'd love to encourage you in your faith journey. Hallelujah. We're going to finish with a song. So let's lift our hands and our hearts to the living God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to thank the worship team for a great job this morning, lads. Well done. Thank you, church. That's it for this morning. There's tea and coffee upstairs. Don't forget on Tuesday night, half seven in here, Tom is leading the meeting. May God bless you and keep you, and we'll see you again next Sunday. Amen. Amen. God bless.